morning. Morning. Well, uh, Michelle and Brian already used my intro about telling you guys how amazing you guys are for being here during the weather. So I'm not going to say that, and I want to pump your guys' heads up too much. You guys should already be here. It's church. Anyways, um, welcome. My name is Matt Van Dongen. Uh, I'm the student director here at TVC, and I work with the internship program as well. And I'm excited to be here with you guys today. But before we get started, I have to get something out of the way. So a few weeks ago, our lead pastor, Jeff, was wearing a shirt on stage. And I remember I was listening to his message, and I was getting distracted from his shirt. And a good 30 seconds, probably, I just totally missed what he was saying, because I was trying to decide, is that an octopus on his shirt? Are those flowers? I really couldn't tell. And I found out later that they were actually a bunch of octopi on his shirt. And I was actually corrected last night that octopi is the wrong word. And so, you know, preachers like to go into the Greek. So the Greek translation of plural octopus is octopode. So there you guys go. Um, But just so you know, these are parrots on my shirt. So don't be distracted. These are parrots. Uh, I feel like I have authority to wear a shirt with parrots on it because I lived in Hawaii for a while. So I just needed to get that out of the way with you guys. Uh, we're in a series entitled The Greatest Thing. And so it's talking about in this broken world, what matters most? What matters most in this broken world? And we had an awesome message on Easter talking about the greatest thing. And that is that we get to love God and God loves us. Nothing better than that. And it's all because of Jesus. Uh, and then last week, had an awesome message on marriage, the greatest thing of how do you uh, operate in marriage with love and all that stuff. And so if you missed those two messages, it's not too late. You guys can go on our website and you guys can uh, watch it on, on there. But today, I get the honor of talking about family. Everybody say family. Family. I love family. And if you're with family right now, I want you to turn to them and say, are you ready? Are you ready? Turn to family. Are you ready? And then, if they look like they weren't ready, say, get ready. <laughs> and then maybe finish with an I love you. Maybe that's good too. Say, I love you, your family. I really hope that today's message is challenging. I, I hope today's message is convicting. Because family is that important. I love family, and I believe that God has great purpose for family. Great purpose for family, that he loves family. If you even look at God himself, it's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit, that they operate out of family. And God calls us our our Father, and he refers to us as his children. So before any other identity that we have in this world, we are children of God. And so there's something so significant about family. And I'm going to give you guys a challenge before I begin uh, to really jump into family. And that challenge is this. If you're anything like me, when I come to a message, sometimes I'm hearing this, and this is really good stuff, and I start to think, well, I really hope that family member is hearing this right now. Or I'm like, how do I get my roommate to listen to this? Because he needs to hear that. And you know, sometimes maybe they do. But I'm going to challenge you guys today that God wants to meet you where you're at with family today. So if that means you're in a really good place with your family right now, that's awesome. I really believe he still wants to meet you. And if maybe you're saying, you know, family these days is the struggle. 
There's some pain. There's some hurts. He wants to meet you guys today. And so I want to challenge you to take this message fully for yourself today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for family. We thank you for, for your example of family. Lord, I ask that today you would move in our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that we would meet you where you want to meet us today. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. We just invite your Spirit to move this place and anything that we've come in heavy burdened any distractions anything that's weighing us down lord today i ask you would just take that from us we could feel your tangible love in this place we love you in jesus name amen so this last tuesday i got a call from or this last tuesday actually tuesday night at 11 30 my grandpa who's about to turn 90 he passed away and a few days before that, on, on Sunday, I get a call from my dad uh, saying, hey, your grandpa's going downhill quickly. You should come to the hospital. And he's had congested heart failure, and it was, it was catching up with him. And so I was able to get to the hospital on Monday morning. And the next two days will be treasured memories for the rest of my life. I mean, of course, there's family there. But what made it so special is, I kid you guys not, when you walked into the hospital room, you tangibly felt the love in that room. So much as the, the nurses were requesting to come back to, to, to our room, to that floor, because they just saw something different in that room. They loved what was going on. And for three days, it was basically a mini church service <laughs> for three days. My grandpa on Sunday ended up preaching for like eight hours. And they had someone bring up some old hymns. And we were singing hymns, just all that stuff. And then uh, on Monday, I got to spend a lot of time with them. He would make sure he would look each of us in the eye, let us know exactly what he felt about us. It was awesome. And the reason uh, I just, I, I thought it was so special and I was thinking about it so much is that I really, for the first time, realized how much family shaped me and how much family shapes us. Whether it's the good, whether it's the bad, family shapes us. And I was so incredibly thankful that my grandpa taught me how to follow God. And my dad, he taught me how to serve others. And my family, they taught me how to forgive. And I was like, wow, this, this is incredible. And I got thinking, I was like, but sadly, I don't know if, if that's the case for every family. Because we live in this broken world and there's a lot of hurt and pain in family. And I just got to see my blessing in it. And I started to think about the idea of a tragedy. When someone's, something happens unexpected in your family or someone's about the past. What happens? Your family gets brought together. No matter the drama that's currently going on, no matter the hurts, the pain, no matter how busy you are with work, everyone takes everything off. They'll travel long distances. They'll, play, they'll pay the plane tickets. They'll do what it takes to come during a tragedy, during a time when, someone, when someone's passing. And it's an awesome thing because family gets brought together. But I have a crazy question. I was just thinking, I was like, what if that kind of love when a tragedy happens. That idea that family matters more than what's going on in our family. Family matters more than drama or whatever's going on in a tragedy. What if that could be our every day? What if we could bring that kind of love for our family, that idea of seeing what matters most, and bring it to the every day? And you know, my family's not perfect. 
they've had a lot of drama throughout the years. Uh, my grandparents were married for 67 years, so in those 67 years, there was a lot of drama, problems, stuff like that. If I went to each family member and said, can you share a story about family drama? I'm sure they could all share a story of when someone was hurt. And I'm sure right now you guys can think, maybe there's been a time in your life where family has hurt you. Maybe there's been a time when you, you had a family member do something behind your back, or you have a difference in opinions. And maybe some of you, even right now, you can think of a situation in your life where there's some family stuff happening. Where you have a difference of opinions, or someone did something, and it's so bad, you've had exchanging of words that you wish you didn't say. You're trying to bring family in, and trying to bring them on your side, trying to do this, trying to justify. And that's maybe happening right now. And so the question that I want to ask today is, what do we do with that? What do we do with the hurt? What do we do with the pain? Is it okay for us to push it under the rug? Is it okay for us to sit back from a distance and and see drama happening between some family members and just watch it happen? My hope is to answer that question through the perspective of what matters most. In God's love. Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? Why does it... You, you hear the idea of forgiveness. Or you feel I hear the idea of, of coming together with family and love. And you hear it. But it seems so hard. And you're like, Matt, that seems pretty hard. Well, I think it comes down to this. Family hurts. It's just true. Family Family hurts. And we're stuck with them forever. That means family's going to probably hurt us time and time and time again. So if that's the case, what do we do with that? And so I thought, what better way to uh, answer that question would read some scripture. And so I'm going to read out of Matthew 18, 12. And I normally re- would read out of maybe the NIV version or something. But I was came across the Passion Translation. And I actually really love the translation for this verse. So that's what I'm going to read out of. Matthew 18, verse 12. Think of it this way. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one lamb wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 grazing on the hillside and go out and thoroughly search out for the one lost lamb? And if he finds his lost lamb, he rejoices over it, more than over the 99 who are safe. Now you should understand that it is never the desire of our Heavenly Father that a single one of these humble believers should be lost. And so you're looking at this idea of someone, so the shepherd, going out of his way to thoroughly search for something that was lost. And then that's a perfect example of God's love for us, right? That he will always go out of his way to show us his love. He will always go out of the way to bring us back home. And in the same way, I think that we should always go out of our way for our family. Pursue love, to pursue restoration, and... Uh, the reason I liked this translation because it says thoroughly search. And so, for example, if you've ever lost your keys, uh, you don't know where you put them, and then your wife's like, well, did you look for your keys or did you actually look for your keys? And so the idea of did you just go in there and say, hey, I, I kind of looked, okay, nothing. Or did you actually go flip things over, look through every crack, do whatever it takes to find them? You look everywhere. And I think that that's our idea with our families as well. The way that God will look everywhere for us. 
that instead of saying, oh, no, I tried, you know, I tried to like make things right, but whatever. But did you actually do what it takes to make things right? And the word that I think represents this well is the word relentless, relentless. I love definitions because I think sometimes we say words uh, without understanding what we're saying. So I'm going to read you guys the definition of relentless. It's to be oppressively, oppressively constant, incessant, or I found this somewhere too. This wasn't in the dictionary definition, but I loved it. But to be fiercely devoted, be oppressively constant, incessant, or to be fiercely devoted. Do we have any uh, Detroit Lion fans in here? Okay, there we go. I'm a Detroit Lion fan. Are we not oppressively constant with loving them? Some might say hopelessly consistent with loving them. Because year after year, the Detroit Lions never fail to fail us, right? Every year, every year. But we are relentless with each year believing in them and loving them again. That next year is going to be the year for the Detroit Lions. And we are relentless with that. And you know what? Next year is going to be their year, so... But there we go. Amen. So just like the lions, guys, no matter how many times our families disappoint us, it could be time and time again. It could be year after year after year. But we are called to be relentless in our pursuit after them. Relentless, oppressively constant, fiercely devoted to the idea of restoration in our family. Just like the shepherd would go out of his way. If you know anything about shepherds back 2,000 years ago. Is that they sometimes had to fight off bears. Fight off lions. They had to go out in storms. They would risk their lives. It's really such an action. Be relentless. They were relentless with going after those sheep. And same with us. We're called to be relentless. But what's the opposite of relentless? Passivity. Be passive. And to be passive it means without active response. And sadly, I think that this is our go-to sometimes with family. Instead of doing what it takes to make things right with family, we fall into passivity. And passivity can look different ways. It can be the person that sits back, remember, and watches things go out without doing anything. It can be the person that says, well, this is my personality, so I don't want to be confronting. Or passivity can actually be gossip. And bringing other people onto your side to believe what's going on. That's, pass, that's a passive response. And no matter our personalities, no matter where we're at, no matter the situation, we are not called to be passive with our families. We're called to be relentless with our families. We're, we're meant to be relentless no matter the personal opinion of a family member. That means no matter their political view no matter their opinions on how to raise kids, no matter any of these opinion-type things, we're called to be relentless with restoring relationship and to oppressively and incessantly not give up. Everybody say, not give up. Not give up. This has been pretty powerful words. Because God is in the business of restoration. He is. That's what he does. But with restoration, it also takes us as well. It takes us choosing restoration. It takes an active response. 
not a passive response. And I have a story uh, with my dad and I. So growing up, me and my dad had a good relationship. Um, actually, it was like one of those relationships where my dad could do no wrong in my eyes. I looked up to him in everything, everything he did. But as I began to grow up and get out of high school, I realized that we started to not actually have the same views on things. I realized, wow, okay, I don't actually agree with everything my dad says. and Mainly with the idea of God. And so in my life, I'm going this direction of ministry, this direction of, of going towards God, and he just doesn't understand that. He doesn't get that. So I go to a Christian college, and we start to butt heads a little bit. Then I go into ministry a little bit, and he starts to butt heads. And then I'm in mission, missionary work, and he really doesn't understand that. He doesn't get why I'm doing that. And I don't get why he doesn't understand. And it comes to a point where I find out that I'm going to the Middle East for the first time. And if you guys get to know me, I love the Middle East. I love the people there. I love what God's going to do there. I love the redemption story. And I was so excited to go. But I was a little nervous to talk to my dad. So I, I call him up, and we're on the phone, and as soon as I tell him I'm going to the Middle East, everything changed. He didn't know how to, how to take that. He didn't know how to receive that or process that, and we came to a heated debate on the phone, and then we just had to hang up. And shortly after that, I get an email from my dad saying, Matt, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. This is causing too much stress on me. I can't do this. I think it'd be better if we just didn't talk. Starting to feel some some pain there as I'm reading this. And the zinger at the end of the email was this. Just email me once in a while to let me know that you're still alive. That hurt. I started to feel rejection. I started to feel bitterness like god like god why why are you calling me to do something in the middle east but it's bringing division with me and my dad like what's going on and i and i could have started to go down that road of being mad at him being angry at him and it could have just turned into this big thing where we just didn't talk to each other for months years but luckily shortly after that i had a friend i don't know if you guys ever go to a friend when Family drama's happening. But I had a friend look at me. He didn't coddle me. Like maybe sometimes we get where the coddling would look like, hey, you're justified in this. No, he doesn't understand. You're justified to feel this way. Do your thing. Move on. You don't have to deal with this. But no, the friend looked me in the eye and said, God is in the business of restoration and you will not give up on your dad because God loves your relationship with your father. He loves your guys' relationship and he wants to restore it. I was like, oh... You're right. And it wasn't and it wasn't asking me to do something. He was telling me. He was being a good friend and telling me the perspective that God has on family. And so I took that advice and I said, I know my dad doesn't want me to talk to him. I'm going to do it anyways. So I, I wrote him an email. He didn't respond the first time. It's like, I'm going to be relentless, dad. And I read him another email and he responds. And luckily he had my sister who was telling him the same thing that my friend was telling me, which was awesome. And we started to communicate with each other. And honestly, the, the conversations were so meaningless on the surface. Like, hey, Dad, how's the weather in Michigan? How's the pontoon boat? Like, the, it legitimately was that deep. And although it didn't see deep, seem deep on the, on the surface, it meant more to me than you could know. Because as we were having those conversations, we were deciding 
that we were worth it. That the restoration of our relationship was worth it. And although it was really awkward for a while, and it took several months, but I can honestly say right now, today, me and my dad are closer than we've ever been in my entire life. Like, we have conversations about, yeah, it's awesome, thanks. We have conversations about his past. We have conversations about our feelings. What? And we talk about these things that are so awesome that I never, never had with him, even when things were good when I was young. And I really believe it's because we chose our, each other in, in, um, when we could have not. There was a decision to be made, and we chose each other. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that someone told me the truth. That God is in the business of restoration. Family. And I'm thankful that my dad and I chose each other. But sadly, I'm not sure that that's very normal. That we let whatever kind of dramas in our family divide us. We let what someone did to us cause us to push them away, to be divided, to gossip, whatever it is. And my thought on it is that it's really hard to get past hurts and pains if we haven't first forgave them. The idea of forgiveness. To be relentless in your love. Forgiveness has to be in your vocabulary. And so I was in Kansas City a few weeks ago. And I was talking to this Brazilian lady. And she shared this. I asked her. Because I've been asking people about their families. What's going on. And she shared this story that I wanted to share with you guys. So she, she has a huge family. And they're all Brazilian. And so she wanted to let us know that Brazilians get really, really loud. And so they have these family gatherings, and they're all Christian. The whole family's Christian. And this family gathering, her sister was bringing a friend that wasn't Christian. So she was excited. She was like, okay, we get to uh, show her. We know she might come from a broken family. We get to show her what it's like to, to love each other in a family. And, of course, that night, there was a lot of drama. Uh, that things got Things got bad. Family was fighting. She let me know again that they're Brazilian and they're loud. So it got pretty crazy to the point where they just walked away that night. All angry at each other, mad at each other. No one could agree. They walked away. And she was extremely embarrassed. It's like, wow, I wanted to show her what it looked like to be a Christian family. And here we are walking away angry at each other. And the friend was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, the next morning... The family had decided we need to come together and have a meeting. So all the family came together, had a meeting, and each one of them apologized. And each one of them asked for forgiveness, and each one of them forgave the others. And this girl was there for that. And later she told a friend that she was mind-blown. She had never experienced that kind of love in a family, ever. She had never experienced forgiveness like that, ever. And she said, when my family has drama... We just push each other away and we don't talk for like two or three months. And then we act like nothing happens until the next bit of drama happens. And it was crazy because this this lady told me, she said, my eyes were open that every family has drama. Every family has drama. Every family has hurts and pains. But that's okay. That's okay, she said. But it's how you react to the drama. It's how you react to the pain that shows the love of Jesus. And her family chose forgiveness and was that example. 
But again, it's this idea that I think that it's oftentimes rare that we choose forgiveness first. Sometimes we have to go through the hurts and the pains and all this stuff. And to be honest, some of you might be saying this right now, like, I get it. I get that forgiveness is good. But Matt, like, you don't know the depth of the hurt. You don't know the depth of the pain. I missed that chance to forgive a long time ago. It's been years. You don't know the pain. And honestly, some of you might be getting angry at me. Because oftentimes, when the Lord wants to move in something, the enemy wants to hold on to it. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy our families. So even when God's moving and he's calling us to forgive, sometimes we're going to get angry because the enemy wants to hold on to that. Because he knows how much change can happen if we choose forgiveness. It is truly an amazing thing that we're not called to forgive just because Jesus tells us to forgive, but because Jesus knows the crazy freedom that comes through forgiveness. The actual physical burdens that you feel can be dropped when you choose to forgive. And families can be closer than ever. Just like my dad and I are closer than ever. And so I want to read another piece of scripture with you guys that I think really illustrates the idea of forgiveness so well. And in this scripture, it's kind of long. So uh, we're going to have it on the screen. But if, that, if you're the type of person that needs to follow along, go ahead, follow along. But if that's not you, just close your eyes and listen to this story because it's a really, really powerful story, I think. It's Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Later, Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I forget, have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven times. The lesson of forgiveness and heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him one billion dollars. So he summoned the servants before him and said to him, pay me what you owe me. And when the servant was unable to repay this debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment towards his debt. The servant threw himself face down at the master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I will repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing this plea, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants, who had owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, You better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, Please be patient with me. If you'll just give me time, I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive that was owed, that was owed to him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he's paid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show that same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned to him over to the prison guards to be tortured until his debts were repaid. In this same way that my heavenly father will deal with you 
with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart towards a fellow believer. This story is amazing to me. This is a perfect example that Jesus doesn't just forgive us, but he actually calls us to forgive others. And remember, God operates out of family. What's more important? God calls us to forgive family. And some of you might be like the servant in that story, where you understand the beautiful redemption, forgiveness from Jesus. That you were once somewhere hard, in a hard place, and God took you out of that, and he showed you massive love and forgiveness. And yet, with that forgiveness, you're withholding that from your family. And it's time, maybe it's time that you go to that family member and you ask for restoration. You ask for forgiveness. Guys, this is important. And maybe you're the one, like the servant, who did something wrong. Who owes the debt. Maybe it's time you go to that person and you ask for forgiveness. And some of you maybe have never experienced that forgiveness. That forgiveness that Jesus has for us. The incredible, beautiful love that he gave us. And we're going to go into a song here in a minute. But I truly believe that it's, it's hard for us to fully understand forgiveness if we first haven't understood it ourselves. That we were meant to be in relationship with God from the beginning of time. And then sin entered this world. And we all sin. We all do. But when that happened, God had an amazing plan in Jesus. That his son would die on the cross. He would raise again with God's power. And that if we choose to be in relationship with him, we can experience love and forgiveness like no other. And we're restored with a relationship with the Father. It's good news. So if that's you today and you're like, I've never done that. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. So with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you've never made that decision, that decision that I want to follow God. I want to experience this forgiveness and this love that's talked about. If that's you with eyes closed and heads bowed, you just want to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. And make that decision today. If that's you, if you're saying that I've been far away from God. I once thought I was in a relationship, but maybe I need to come back to him. If that's you, go ahead. Raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. That's you. Raise your hand. Make eye contact. Awesome. Well, this is a prayer that, that I can't do for you. But I'll say a prayer and you can repeat something like that in your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and raising again. That I could be in right relationship with God. I choose to follow you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Would you help me follow you the rest of my life? I ask you to be the Lord of my life. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a party going on heaven in heaven when anybody accepts Jesus for the first time. So let's go. Let's give it up. That's awesome. That's awesome. God is so good. And now my challenge to all of you is this.
We're going to go into a song here. And I want, I want to challenge you to take your next step in forgiveness. Whether that means that there has been a hurt or pain that has hurt you for so many years and you just need to go to God for the first time and say, God, I don't know how to do this, but I want to take that first step. Maybe it's you taking the 70 times 7 approach where you have to do it again and again. And maybe some of you, it's on your heart, someone you haven't talked to or there's some drama happening and you feel like you just need to talk to them. Go to the lobby during the song. Make a phone call. Guys, a lot of times we'll forget when we go home. If there's that tug on your heart right now, go make that phone call. It's important. It matters. God is in the business of restoration. So I'll go ahead and pray and we'll go into the song. Lord, we love you. We just ask, I ask for courage to come through this room, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would help us see the importance in forgiveness, Lord. That you would give us the courage to make that step. That we could see the freedom that comes with it, Lord. We love you and we thank you for your example. In Jesus' name, amen.